to episode 30 of Central Intelligence Cinema. We made it to 30! Today, we have a jam-packed intel report for you, but it comes with a big, big spoiler warning. There is a moment in this episode that is potentially highly dangerous to your overall knowledge of the story arc of Mission Impossible. So, if you don't want to hear it, please skip from 20 minutes 43 seconds to 22 minutes 7 seconds. We will give you one additional warning right before we talk about it. But at this point, consider yourself warned. And with that, let's do this. Take it away, Pierce. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Soto. Bond. James Bond. Ethan Hunt. Felix Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand on, Do you expect me to talk? Yeah, baby! <laughs> Coming to you from an undisclosed location that is so, so cool, because it's hotter than the sun outside, it's Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Jason Greenberg, and with me, as always, Ben Esslinger. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> and welcome back to the CIC, the spy movie podcast that is 100% handcrafted, artisanally made, all organic, single sourced, but from an undisclosed location. Heck Yeah. How are we doing, Jason? I'm doing very well, Ben, and yourself. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, it's been a hot second since we've uh, been together, so I'm really glad that you're actually here yes. at the undisclosed location. At the undisclosed location, yeah. I, I had a little uh, trip out to uh, Ireland, actually, that delayed things a little bit, just a little. <laughs> and then I got, and then I got COVID after Ireland at the wedding I went to in Ireland, so that was fun. But you got. Irish COVID, so it was different than American COVID like you had before, right? Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't nearly as brutal, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, we're back, and uh, yeah, we've got uh, some stuff to talk about. A lot of stuff happened. We've got two trailers for this Intel report that we're going to cover, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 and the uh, Russo Brothers, The Gray Man. So in addition, we're actually going to have our first little... Uh, mini review of a comic uh, book, or I should say graphic novel. You could the, say comic book. Yeah. I mean, essentially it's four issues just yeah. slammed together into a quote unquote graphic novel, but it's the King of Spies. King of Spies. Written by Mark Millar of Kingsman fame. Yeah. So uh, that's exciting. And um, to keep it moving here, we've got, we've got shout outs. We got a lot of shout outs. A lot of shout outs. It's like our very first shout out episode. This is kind of our shout out episode. Um, while we were uh, both away on assignment, I had some CIC ambassador duties, and uh, I had the honor, um, I was really <laughs> kind of surprised, but I was invited on the James Bond and Friends podcast for their uh, one of their debrief episodes of The Spy Who Loved Me. So that was a lot of fun. It was interesting to try and button it up a little bit <laughs> and not be <laughs> my normal screwball self on this podcast. Well, uh, you know, it'd be helpful that you didn't have, you know, the court jester over here, you know, dang dangling a little jingle bells on one hand and hey, the king, the king on the other side. So, you know. Well, I mean, let's be fair. 
there were some things that I thought about for <laughs> the spy who loved me that I realized very quickly were not appropriate for that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when you're sitting next to two published authors, one of them of whom is a professor, you kind of go, wait, no, don't do that one. (laughs) (laughs) Self-editing in full effect, right? Yes, indeed. I mean, it's probably, you know, I was actually thinking about having a whole section on this podcast about things omitted from (laughs) 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 things I was going to say on their podcast, but can't say them there. So I'm going to say them here. (laughs) Uh, Well, you can just save those for when we review The Spy Who Loved Me. Indeed, indeed. Because that's going to be an interesting episode. (laughs) Contemptuous, maybe. And in case anybody's wondering, out of solidarity for my ambassador here, I actually watched The Spy Who Loved Me while he was doing the recording. And let's just say... I would say that it hasn't aged well, except that it was probably complete shite when it came out. It's just 40 years old worth of shite now. Ouch. Ouch. But, uh, well, I wholeheartedly disagree, but anyway. I, I, you know what? <laughs> it's a Roger Moore James Bond film. That's right. And I'll just leave it at that. That's right. <laughs> but moving on, mm-hmm. uh, we've got more shout outs. First and foremost, uh, thank you to uh, Chris Walkton in the UK uh, for his glowing five-star review of the CIC. And I stand by my promises and uh, I hope he has since received the official CIC stickers <laughs> that I sent him. That's right, folks. We are not above bribery. We are not above bribery in get, any way. And to get those tens of listeners out there talking about what they like and don't like. And let me show. tell you something, kids. I now have more than just stickers. I've got magnets. I've got keychains. You know, if you want... So I've five got, star review. That's it. That's all you got to do. You Just gotta go get on the your... computer for 10 minutes and say, you guys are awesome. And then go star, 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 star. That's and, right. And that's it. That's it's, it's as easy as that. <laughs> and that way, more people start listening to us because they can actually find our podcast somewhere. <laughs> also, uh, another bit of ambassadorship, just a much more brief one, but a uh, huge thank you to uh, Thunderball's radio show. They they like to engage with their listeners and want people to request songs from different Bond movies that they like. And uh, I actually requested a song and uh, they came back, they circled back, and they asked me to do a voice intro for the song. So I recently did that for the song uh, Shanghai Drive off the uh, Skyfall soundtrack. Nice. So, uh, yeah, so they played that, and they it was just great. Those guys are awesome. Love a Scotsman. How can you not? So also on that, that very episode of uh, Thunderball's radio show, they interviewed Britt Eklund from the man with the golden gun so not too shabby not at all so if you're if if you're done listening to this and you need something else uh, go over there to thunderball's radio show and then when you're done and then when you're done you can go over to james bond and friends and listen to the debrief episode that i did over there absolutely but and by that point we'll have a new episode that's right (laughs) but bear in mind after you're done listening to this yes stop this that's right and go do that because you're gonna lose the whole stream of consciousness thing that's going on you're gonna miss all the gonna hate it so just keep listening (laughs) and then go and do those things that's right you're gonna you're gonna miss all the Juicy tidbits we got we got coming at you. Are they juicy tidbits or just tidbits? They're just tidbits of intel. I feel like everybody already knows a lot of this stuff, so it can't be that juicy. Yeah, all right. But they well, are tidbits. You know, the, we, we can stick the with trailers the trailers have been out for a couple of weeks they've already. Been out for a little, they've been out for a little while. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> so uh, should we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Looking for a news story? Yeah. 
impress me. Transmitting CIC Intel dossier. They'll print anything these days. All right, so getting into it, the first thing on the uh, dossier here is the Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 trailer. Can we make a longer title, please? <laughs> I, <laughs> the people that are doing the titles for that movie must just be like, are you kidding? Yeah, they're paid by the letter. <laughs> so that is releasing July of next year. What did you think? Just before we get into details, what did you think of the... Of the trailer. Well, I think the trailer was engaging, um, but uh, mostly it, it shows that it's a Mission Impossible movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got train fights, there's helicopters, there's a car chase with Tom and the good-looking girl. <sighs> <laughs> wonder who that could be. We got Tom clenching his jaw. We got what's-his-face, I can't even remember his name, being all, you have to do this, Ethan. <laughs> with oh, his Kittredge? Vi- yeah, Kittredge with his, his enunciating of every single <laughs> word. And, you know, you got your Luther, you got your Benji, you got your Ilsa with the Nick Fury eye patch. So cool. Yeah, so cool. And so everything that you want to have in a Mission Impossible movie. Even the ridiculous stunt that was clearly ripped off from another film. That's right. Did you? And don't forget the train. (laughs) We'll be talking about that train. (laughs) Now, did you think that they showed too much? Not really. Really? I mean, so what do you go to a Mission Impossible movie for? Well, okay. You go for all the tentpole stunts and all that stuff. Right. You know what's going to be in the movie. They tell you absolutely nothing about what the movie's about. That's true. That so they've is given true. away nothing except for the fact that it is a Mission Impossible movie I with Haley Atwell. With him, <laughs> starring Haley Atwell <laughs> <laughs> for Jason Greenberg. Uh, Only for Jason Greenberg. <laughs> See, I I would have liked it if they would have saved at least I don't know two of those stunts, so that when I go and see the movie, it's like. It's brand, brand new that I, I didn't know was coming. Because um, there were some things in there that were super vibrant that I did not see coming that I think I would have been okay with waiting until I actually see the movie next year. I don't know. I feel but, like so much stuff has been released either intentionally or unintentionally at this point. Yeah. And it's taken so long to get it where it is. I mean, it's like when we finally started getting No Time to Die trailers. Mm-hmm. They showed all the good shit in the trailers, too. Mm-hmm. You didn't know what the story was about, but well, I did. I knew he was going to die at the end. Spoiler. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's about keeping people's interest. You have to remind them what the movies are about. So right. I feel like they kind of had to do that. Yeah. Because people are like, Mission Impossible. Wasn't that an old movie in like 2000 with like, uh, with what's that guy's name? Tom Crutch? Tom. Oh, well, I mean. I think Top Gun uh, well, that, got, yeah. got rid of that uh, fogginess, yeah, that no, brain fog. No doubt. But I mean, you know, you're going to ride on the coattails of that for sure. But at the same time, you know, people just need to remember what the whole thing is about. I yeah. think it was actually a very well-crafted trailer in terms of wanting to make you go see it. Yeah. I mean, it it, it was smart in the sense that you, you're right. You don't know what it's about. You You just know what's you know, big things that are happening. Right. But you don't have any idea what the story is whatsoever. No, it's all events, no cause. Yeah. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it involves some sort of a virus or a list <laughs> or microfilm 
or you know, well, apparently smart all, blood. We, all we've got <laughs> smart blood. I know we've got some kind of world domination thing going on because Kittred's pretty much monologued right there in the middle of it. Um, well, but, let's let's get into that real quick because right. I, I wrote I wrote down what he says. Okay. Uh, so Kittred says, "Your days fighting for the so-called greater good are over. Uh, this is our chance to control the truth, the concepts of right and wrong." for everyone for centuries to come. You're fighting to save an ideal that doesn't exist, never did. And then he says, like, you have, you need to pick a side. And, and then, then we and, get the jaw clench. Yeah, and then we get the Tom Cruise, you haven't seen me very upset, circa, you know, whenever the first one came out, 90... 99. Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> just felt so corny. I... It was just, it just lingered too long. That was the one part of the trailer. I was just like, oh, don't, no, don't. (laughs) I mean, I know why it's there. I know that they were literally just trying to reenact the whole, you haven't seen me upset. They were calling it back or whatever, but it's not going to fly in 2022. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's just that the, the jawline in question doesn't flex quite as well as it did. Right, it's not quite 20 as some odd years slim-lined ago. As, as circa 99. Yeah, you know, it, it didn't have that same in-your-face effect of watching those yeah. muscles just clench and then unclench. You know, you get regenerated so many times, and after a while, it just kind of... Exactly, you, you got to get a diminishing the copies, returns. <laughs> the copies upon copies just, you know... <laughs> So we've got all sorts of stuff here. So we've got desert scenes, which actually, those were some of the scenes that I I found most interesting. That was the other thing I forgot. Sandstorms. So that also makes an Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. I mean, I got a very Dune feel from those too, though. (laughs) I can't imagine why. Yeah. Well, sand and Rebecca Ferguson. Well, yeah. But I mean, (laughs) just the, it's almost like they're like, hey, that looked pretty cool. Can we get that in our movie? Because you know that Tom Cruise does do that during movies, right? He's like, you know, I saw this thing. Oh, yeah. We need to add that. You know, it's going to be like another $2 million to the movie. It's all right. (laughs) <laughs> I do love that shot though when the and I don't know for sure if it's Tom or who it is because he's got like yeah. full goggles and a mask on but they the troops the the team sort of comes into that mm-hmm. that area in the desert that looked really cool it like did look I'm really, really cool. interested to see how that how that sort of pans out but we also have a shot in London very early on in a Citroen car, basically, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, Haley Atwell. Ah, mm. uh, yes. Looking very for your eyes only. <laughs> well, the whole scene was very for your eyes only. Yes, but. yes, because of the Citroen. But, or I don't even know if it was actually a Citroen car or if it's just it something very little, similar. Little 70s European hatchback. Yeah, it was, so. yeah. And then one of the things that struck me about this at 18 seconds in, I marked it on my notes. Am I literally seeing naked women in a trailer? I think they were just in like skin colored bikinis. The okay. lighting in that was yeah. very direct. Because it looked, they kinda, looked just buck naked. <laughs> they would have had, honestly, the, the MPA would have red banded that if there was any. Yeah, that's in true. It. So, that's true. So it unless just they like, would just slyly got that past the sensors. Right. And those guys have nothing better than do than to count nipples <laughs> and pubic hair. That's literally their job. I don't think it would have gotten past them. Right. Anyway, it just looks like some sort of hedonistic rave. Um, and then we get a couple shots that look really Bondian. There's that 
that aerial shot that comes towards the train that's moving, mm-hmm. which is so right out of the opening shot of Quantum. Right. And then uh, then we start hearing the, the stuff from Kittredge. And that felt like very... They show this... Uh, computer graphic these lines of forming kind of like a circle thing Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if that's just some sort of like hackery disinformation i don't know it's the benji stuff it's the benji stuff you can tell they're definitely trying to vaguely bring in current events Mm -hmm. but vague enough that it's not it's not going to be overly dated by the time you know we see it in 10 years from now yeah exactly 10 years from now is when it's going to release actually so. <laughs> and then we get we get a very quantum another quantum looking shot uh of tom in a doorless car like flying down the road that looked right out of the pre-title from quantum then we get uh we see ilsa with the eye patch we see a bad guy on a train that i i honestly don't even know who that is Isai morales ah okay you might know him from the uh the Battlestar Galactica prequel, um, uh, Cylon. I forget the Cylon thing, what it was. But anyway, he played young Commander Adama in that. He was Uh also in Ozark's first season on Netflix. There you go. Check it out on Netflix, folks. Good show. Shows you how much, how little I know. (laughs) This is what you keep me around for, Ben. That's right. (laughs) And somehow I conned my way onto James Bond and Friends. Because (laughs) you're the reasonable one. I'm the one who has to prove he knows everything. That doesn't sit well with people that actually do know things. <laughs> anyway, we've got uh, we've got Haley Atwell on a train, uh, and then we see uh, Palm Clementi in a car chase. That looked pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt. With the uh, cable car type thing in the way, and and she's driving what looks like maybe a Hummer or a Range Rover or something. I think she's going to be amazing. I've been following her on Instagram, mm-hmm. and she's like just out skydiving and doing all this like. Super badass shit. Sure, like you do. Like you do. When you got that Guardians of the Galaxy money. I <laughs> I mean, the fact that she just, you know, in her spare time is going skydiving <laughs> gives me a lot of hope that she's going to be a super, super badass in, in this. And we get some quick shots of Benji and Luther, really just to sort of establish, <laughs> that they're yes, they're going to be in the movie. Because <laughs> you they don't do anything in it. They're just running. Or Luther's just looking concerned, like he does all he's, the time. You know why he's concerned? <laughs> he loses meat. He's worried about where the meats are at. <laughs> I don't have the meats. Um, Ethan. <laughs> Ethan. We don't have the meats. <laughs> Then we see a submarine. So, but we knew that. We knew that was coming. We knew the submarine was coming. I'm glad that they decided to put it in there since they basically had to bump up the budget to put it in there. Right. Well, and now, after how well Top Gun did, I feel like he's going to have all the money he wants. (laughs) After how well Top Gun did, he's going to end up flying an F 18 off of an aircraft carrier at this point. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we get a quick shot of the White Widow to let us know she's back. And then, uh, so. I'm going to mention something now that even if you don't mind spoilers to a trailer, uh, you might mind this particular spoiler. And I'm, I'm saying right now, if, if you don't want to hear this, you should probably fast forward about 30 seconds. Now, one other thing that we do have uh, for this particular review of this particular trailer is that uh, we actually have... Uh, a bit of special intel that we received about a year ago from one of our special agents out there, codenamed 
Stephanie. Codename Stephanie. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. We have people everywhere. We do, because we're the Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. Duh. Damn right. Uh, But uh, Agent Stephanie provided us with some interesting information of what may or may not have been uh, scenes that were cut from the movie that could be in the movie, could not be in the movie. We're not exactly sure. We've run it through a lot of our computers and had our Mm -hmm. analysts take a look at it. And most of them (laughs) were able to confirm that it did come from the movie, but they can't confirm whether or not it will be in the movie or it's just something that ends up on the cutting room floor. Because we don't really pay our analysts very well and they don't really work very hard for us. Um, It's something we're trying to work on, but hey, we're, we're, (laughs) we are so deep, deep undercover. You know, we don't get a lot of funding. And so we got to put those dollars where they need to be, which is in sound quality. That's right. Um, That is right. (laughs) But but, uh, yeah, we, we got some Intel from uh, our uh, field agent, Stephanie. She had, she showed me some footage of the sword fight scene that you see in the trailer because you there's this brief moment where you see Ilsa pull out this giant sword and then she's fighting with this guy on a bridge. So Stephanie sent me links to this footage that was clearly not for the press to see. And it kind of hints that Ilsa may, this may very well be the last we see of Ilsa. Only if she gets her head cut off, right? Because they're can be only one. <laughs> I mean, the reason at the time when when Stephanie first sent me this email, I was like, oh, I don't I don't know, you know, like the way that Mission Impossible movies run, they change things up until the very last moment that the sure. movie's released. You have sure. no idea what's going to happen. But then I watched the trailer and I look back at the evidence that she gave me and I got a bit concerned, I have to say. And on top of that, on top of that, there's a, a shot in this where Ethan and Ilsa are in, in an embrace, basically, on a, looking very romantic, like they're having a relationship. And we all know what happens when the lead spy gets in a relationship with a girl in a movie. Yeah. Bad the, things tend to happen. The wife comes in and shoots them. <laughs> Hold on a second. Did I miss something? Did he like not get in? Did he not married anymore? No, to the girl. Okay, no, because because I know that he sent her on her merry way. Yeah, because in Fallout, she's basically married to somebody else. Is she really? Yeah. Why don't I remember that? Probably because I don't remember any of these movies because <laughs> I watched them twice and then then moved on to other things. <laughs> oh, okay, well, it, then all things considered, sure, <clears throat> one-eyed chicks are hot. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean. Ilsa's half the reason I watch these movies. Yeah. Kind of like Haley Atwell's half the reason you watch these movies. Yeah. Well, and then you, <laughs> or to anything, be on, to or be anything with, that she's in. <laughs> with Rebecca Ferguson, that's probably 90% of the whole reason I'm watching this movie. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and my whole hope, as I've stated several times on this podcast, is that I want her to take over the franchise. Mm-hmm. I want her to be the new Ethan Hunt because she's compelling. Right. In more ways than one. And Ethan becomes the Anthony Hopkins. Exactly. Exactly. Slash Alec Baldwin. That's right. Slash. Slash whoever Lawrence they Fishburne. <laughs> I know. Slash Henry Zierney. You know, I can remember his name, but I can never remember his character's name. <laughs> Slash Angela Bassett. Yeah. And so the list goes on and on. Uh, Slash John Voight. <laughs> I can't believe we almost forgot John Voight. Can't forget John Voight. You know who else can't forget John Voight? Angelina Jolie. Moving on. (laughs) Uh, Yes, moving on. Um, (laughs) 
So we get some, uh, we get more train fighting and we see Ilsa with the sword, like I said. And we get Tom Cruise running, duh, of course. I think there's at least three shots of Tom Cruise running in this trailer. Three different independent different scenes tom well, cruise running i feel like that's he's what like, he do there's not enough <laughs> i think chris i need you to write one more scene of me running i think i feel like with every you're gonna get exactly one more running scene in, in every iteration in, in in the second part of yes. of dead reckoning <laughs> at some point if they continue to make these movies up until like 25 or 30 He's running the whole time. <laughs> that's right. That's it. That's and you got Luther Bath going, Ethan, Ethan, <laughs> Ethan, you got to slow down. You got to slow down. <laughs> Meanwhile, Benji's riding on an electric scooter. You just need to be smarter. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get a really cool scene that may be my favorite thing. But again, this is the thing that I almost wish I hadn't seen because it's so cool. There's that meeting where the guy's got the gas yeah, mask yeah, yeah. on with the gas mask and then the the green smoke like explodes and like the sound work in the trailer itself is so good. It is. That moment is probably my favorite moment moment in the whole I know, trailer. It's so brutal how that thing blows up in the lady's face. She's I know. Together, it's just, just, and I'm like, is that Haley Atwell that that happened to? Yeah. It's just, they can't kill her. I'm like, not going to go see this movie then. <laughs> it's like point blank range. Yeah, it was. I, I mean shockingly brutal for a trailer. Yes, absolutely. And almost a little brutal just for Mission Impossible in general. Period. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what if instead of one of those things, they had everything? They have poison. They have microfilm. They have a list. (laughs) They have a list of poisons on microfilm that... Well, you know, I mean, this does feel like a kitchen sink movie. I mean, they should have just called it Mission Impossible Dead MacGuffin Reckoning and we would have been fine. (laughs) Indeed. Then we've get oh then we get another callback to Tom Cruise doing a magic trick all of the first movie uh, and then we get a, a lot of shots of Haley but clearly not enough for Jason um, never <laughs> and then we get a, a pretty cool shot actually of Luther although somebody uh, pointed out that that shot looks like a Bond movie as well a lot of lot of Bond movie movie shots in this but. I mean, how can you escape it? You you really, really can't. It's, it's almost it's Im- the gold standard. It's almost impossible to escape it. <laughs> it would, you could say that it would be an impossible mission. It would be. Uh, so yeah, this really cool shot of Luther. Well, I'm assuming it's Luther because he's scuba diving, but <laughs> underwater. That's what he do. Was he a little bulky, the diver? I don't remember. Was, okay, little, he had some. He had some size. A little, little bit of extra saucing and sausage in the casing. There. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, <laughs> we get an old-timey train jumping off, or not jumping, but just running to the end of its course off a cliff. On a bridge. On that a was bridge. was incomplete. But yet, there was no DeLorean. No DeLorean in the front, which <laughs> means, folks, for those of you who saw the trailer that were thinking, we're going to get Christopher Lloyd in this movie, it's not going to happen, anyone. <laughs> we're not in the movie. I'm just doing my thing. <laughs> we're not going back to... 1955. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going. We're not going to hear Huey Lewis in the news. Oh, yeah. No. Well, we don't know that. We don't know that. <laughs> you never know. They could bring him back. We don't. We don't know anything. You could. You could see the train go plummeting down the to the end of this thing, and all of a sudden, a little of like sparky fire lightning comes out at the end, and you're like, "What?" <laughs> that's right. That's right. They well, could have gone back in time. We're only going to know when we watch it. That's right. That's right. And then, of course, the final thing is the motorcycle jump that has been leaked almost a year ago at least oh yeah 
So that's been around a little while, and it still looks very much like the GoldenEye motorcycle jump. But, of course, the whole gimmick behind the whole thing is that Tom's doing it. Yeah, it wasn't Pierce Brosnan doing that jump, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> if, there was, if there's one Bond actor that was... It was Roger Moore. I know where you're going with this, and if there was one Bond actor who didn't do any of his own stunts, it was Roger Moore. I... I disagree. I, Pierce, I disagree. No, I watched The Spy Who Loved Me. There wasn't a single thing. He, he did That's, a couple of really bad high kicks, and that was it. Anything that required swinging, moving, or rolling, that dude's hair was totally different. Wow. But yes, Pierce is definitely a close second. <sighs> we'll agree to disagree. Anyway, um, <clears throat> and then we get the title card. So so that's that's that. Yeah, again, very excited to see the movie for oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be better than Fallout. But then again, I actually a lot of people think Fallout's the best and I still maintain that Ghost Protocol. I just think that Brad Bird just just crushed it. Yeah. For, at least for me. Well, and you know what the problem is with two-parters? You're going to blow your wad on one or the other. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to wonder is this the one that where it's blown or is it coming up yeah um or is it going to be the very rare one that's like nailed it both times suck it mic drop off you go i mean i certainly hope so i don't want it to be a a matrix situation where (laughs) well you know i could argue that like the the first dune movie was amazing Mm -hmm. but if they do the second one right it's also going to be amazing but Mm -hmm. neither will be either more amazing than the other because they are self-dependent so really the what it depends on is this did we genuinely write a movie that had to be followed up by a movie, or are we taking one movie, making it much longer, all of The Hobbit, and splitting it into two pieces, right. which is a nightmare? Yeah. So, I mean, do they have enough ideas? I mean, if you think about all the stuff that is in this trailer, all the things that you know are coming already, and then imagine they have to come up with a whole new list of things... <laughs> <laughs> on microfilm on microfilm of things that they have to then you know one up what they just did i mean unless they're teasing things that are in part two so i was thinking what if some of that was basically a trailer for that like what if they're deceiving the audience and some of that stuff isn't they're not even going to see until dead I mean, reckoning part two you know that in hollywood they always put in the trailers what ends up exactly in the movie. It never <laughs> add footage or oh, dialogue no. that never shows up. Or they, change the background or anything. to a shot that was they only half CG done. They don't take characters out of the movie and put other characters in that no, might entice them to come in, but then replace <laughs> them with a guy in armor instead of the character he is when he's using his superpowers. They never, ever do that. Never, never, never. It's all honest. Hollywood is completely honest. <laughs> well, whatever the case is, I'm I'm very intrigued and and I'm very excited. Uh, it Me was too. it was certainly not a letdown. No, and I'm I'm the only letdown is that they pushed it out till next year. Yeah, because they want that Top Gun money next year. Because there ain't going to be a Top Gun. Well, they want the Top Gun money, and they were they wanted to make sure that they could get eight done within a year of the next one. That's fair. So anyway, let's move on. Gray Man. The Gray Man. I'm sorry. The Gray Man. The Gray Man. Let's not forget the definitive article. Indeed, indeed. Starring Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anna Diarmas. You can stop there. Who cares else is in it? (laughs) Well, that dude from Bridgerton? Woo. 
hey, he's going to be the saint. That's true, <laughs> which means maybe he doesn't get to be James Bond, which I was kind of hoping he was going to get to be James Bond. But I, I still hope he's going to be James Bond. Anyway. I think he's going to be a brilliant saint. I'm going to say that right yes, now. Yes, absolutely. He's definitely got Roger oozing oh, yeah. out of him. He's just suave. But even better looking. Debonair. He's got that bitch in butt. Never mind. <laughs> So uh, this one's coming up this year. Thankfully, we actually get a spy movie this year, uh, July 15th. So yeah, getting in, into this, what did you think, uh, just overall, what did you think of it? Russo Brothers movie? Yeah. Boy, it's it's definitely got the Winter Soldier stink all over all it. All over And it's it. a good stink. It's like Chanel number no. 5 well, kind of stink. What I really liked about it was the fact that the first time I watched it, I don't think I entirely appreciated it. But with multiple viewings, it got better for mm-hmm. me. And that is always a good sign for me. Yeah. It, it, when something doesn't get old, it gets better. Yes. That's always a good sign. And that's exactly what happened upon multiple viewings of this trailer. Yeah. I, you know, for my money, I don't think you can get better action directors than these two guys. Yeah. I mean, they're responsible for the two largest grossing movies in history right now. Right. And the two arguably the best Captain America movie, maybe not the second best because Civil War was sort of garbage, but <laughs> it, it was a filler movie. They didn't have a whole lot to work with in there. But yeah, it just, the the dialogue, the patter, the pacing, the cinematography, it all looks like they made that, it, it's got their stamp all over. It's like watching a Spielberg trailer. You yeah. know, in every scene, Steven Spielberg made that movie. You can look at this one and know the Russo brothers made this movie. Yes. And- the dialogue is just exactly. so good. The, the oh. part in the car. <laughs> oh, I know. Are, are you hurt? Well, my ego. Maybe. My ego's a little wounded, but <laughs> I mean, just the, everything. Everything about it screams that it's going to be awesome to watch. Yes, absolutely. And that I get so tired of trailers that, especially spy movie trailers that lack wit. Mm-hmm. And this is loaded with it all no, over the absolutely. place. Absolutely. I mean. Chris Evans is wit incarnate oh, walking around in it's this. The mu- it's the magic mustache. It's it the, really is. It's the trash stash. It's the trash stash. As, as uh, <laughs> Ryan Gosling says so eloquently. <laughs> totally. <laughs> he looks like, Chris Evans looks like the bad guy in, uh, was it Commando? Yes. He kind of looks like the bad guy in Commando <laughs> with that Bennett. bad. Let Bennett. off some steam, blow, Bennett. <laughs> blow off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, oh, but it's it's the worst stash in the best way. It, it absolutely. It, well, I and I, only a guy that good looking can pull it off. Exactly. It, it's what I call the the Jim Gordon mustache, right? <laughs> yeah. Gary Oldman can wear that mustache, mm-hmm. right? Chris Evans can wear that mustache. Anybody playing Jim Gordon, you know, J.K. Simmons wore that mustache, right? right? If you're playing James Gordon, you could wear that mustache. Right. Or if you're playing a character like Lloyd, you can wear that mustache ironically. Exactly. Getting into the particulars of this. Uh, so we hear them talking about the Sierra program, which is basically they send someone in to do a job. That when they can't send anyone official, aka the gray man. And thank God it's not David Spade because you know he was pitching for Sierra for a while there, and uh, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm sad because I don't have any guns. Here you go, AK-47s at Sierra. <laughs> I also could use some grenades. We don't sell grenades at Sierra. How about or put Sierra? How about a nice canoe? <laughs> I think 
I feel like I read somewhere that they're trying to avoid calling him Sierra Six in this in this particular installment of the movie. Okay, for why? Is there uh, a reason? I think they're I think they're just trying to hold off on that because I think they want. I mean, I don't know for sure, but it just from one of the articles that I read about this movie, it sounds like Sierra Six might actually be part of the title of the next movie or something okay. like that. They're, I think they're just trying to build it up kind of the way like in Casino Royale, you don't actually hear the classic, the name's Bond, James right. Bond, until the very end of the movie. I f- kind of get the feeling they're going to do the same sort of thing with calling him Sierra Six. Okay. I don't know for sure, though. But I don't know. It, the whole kind of concept feels very uh, Bornean. Very Bornean, but I appreciate that it's not. It doesn't look Bornean. No, it looks like a Russo brothers. Right. Well, it's like you movie. took. A, it looks like you took Jason Bourne's idea with Treadwell mm-hmm. and crammed it into Winter Soldier without the robot arms and deprogramming programming stuff. Right. Without the like brain changing exactly sort of stuff. Yeah. So we get. That. We get that moment when Lloyd and, uh, you know, the gray man are fighting (laughs) and he's like, how did you know I was Lloyd? Well, it's a trash stash. It just, it just screams Lloyd. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. Uh, then we get this very winter soldiery moment where a truck in broad daylight comes in and the, the whole side of it flap comes up and all the commandos come Uh out and they're all shooting after, you know, shooting him and, and there's a grenade launcher and just so, oh, yeah. oh my God, it's so I love, I love the part in the bus when he's running and they're shooting at him and he's holding up the door as a shield. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, where have I seen that before? Hmm. hmm. I wonder where. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> sure there's no White Widow in this one? <laughs> yeah. So there is one moment of sort of dubious CG that I wasn't super keen on, but I am aware that, you know, when they put out trailers... CG isn't always done. I was actually told by James Page when I was doing the the James Bond and Friends podcast that a lot of those No Time to Die trailers, the shots of the bridge that he jumps off of, mm-hmm. there's there's like sky replacement and background replacement that changes over over the succession of different trailers. <laughs> like it's literally little, yes, like literally if you go back to the very first trailer and then you watch each successive one. The background changes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't want this villa. No, no, we don't want that villa. <laughs> a different villa. That villa is no good. I mean, we don't want a villa. We want a casa now. <laughs> so, but I digress. So the, the thing that I'm talking about is there's a moment in this trailer where uh, Sierra Six, a.k.a. Ryan Gosling, he's running on top of this train or or light rail, whatever you want to call it. And it just looks a little funky. You know, there's all this stuff explodey behind him. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to run away from the whole thing derailing. And then he jumps off at the very end. And it just looked, it almost looked like when you motion track something. And I know I'm getting into technical jargon here. Technical away. uh, But when you do a special effects shot and you motion track the initial shot... If you don't get it right, the thing that you're inserting into the shot will quote unquote slip. And so it doesn't actually look like it's, it no longer looks like it's part of the shot because it doesn't match the motion of the camera. Right. And so I got a little bit of that vibe. Yeah, that's fair. When I was watching that shot. And so I was a little bit like, hmm. 
It's like the old compositing shots from back in the days before they had computers mm-hmm. where they would paint an entire background and then they'd have that little piece of glass there where they'd either project the shot through it mm-hmm. or they'd blue screen it into it later. Right. So you have this motion going on down here at the bottom. Every space scene you ever saw <laughs> in a movie where you looked inside the bridge before 1993 or 94 where they started using computers to do it, that's what I'm talking about. They film people and then they shrink <laughs> the image down and cut it into a, a painting that literally goes on this thing and moves on it. So it always looks warped and distorted. Right. And no matter what the camera angle is, it doesn't look convincing because they're trying to basically match up two shots without the benefit of a computer even. Right. And you can just sell fake. Right. Fake. Captain Kirk's not actually in that shuttlecraft because that's not real. <laughs> Although, yes, for all the really technical nerds of our tens of listeners out there, I know that they rear-projected that one onto that thing. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. It didn't look real. So, anyway, moving on. That's right. Moving on. Um, I love the line in there. Uh, you want to make an omelet? You got to kill some people. Right. <laughs> and, again, anybody but Chris Evans without that mustache. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But he sells it because he's so deadpan, yet he's... He thinks it's funny. You can tell in oh, that yeah. scene. He thinks that joke is funny, but he's trying to be serious about it. And all it just <laughs> makes me it just makes me think about his character from Scott Pilgrim. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot he's even in that movie. Yeah. And he's just very serious about himself. Skateboard. <laughs> Buzzword. You know, just the Yeah. So honestly, I don't think they could have cast this movie better for what oh, their intent clearly is totally. on the film. And holy cow, Ryan Gosling looks jacked, no dude. No doubt. Like, and speaking of, quick segue, did you see the picture of him as the Ken doll for oh this my Barbie God. movie? Yeah, that was... Uh, With the six-pack mm-hmm, and everything? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like, were these concurrent? I'm, I'm curious now. They, they've got to be. He must have like went from one movie to the other, <laughs> and he was still ripped for... I got to think he did all the training for this movie, and then yes. got the benefit of that when he went over and did the Barbie movie. Yes. <laughs> sort of like the whole... I'm I'm playing Bane, then I go play a fighter thing that uh, right. that Tom Hardy did. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Then we see we get a shot of uh, Billy Bob Thornton, who looks really cool. Yeah, he like, he looks like I don't know. He looks like I've never seen him look before. So yes. I I had to kind of double take and go, is that Billy Bob Thornton? Till he talked, I wasn't one hundred percent sure. And I really like the fact. I'm really intrigued by the fact that he actually plays a good guy. Hmm. That he plays the ally of Sierra Six, which is is super cool. Just because normally they just he's kind of typecast as as kind of a seedy guy. Yeah, he can't always trust an antihero at the yeah, most. Yeah, he's sort of you know you don't quite know where where he stands on things. Where he clearly seems like you know on Sierra Six's side for now. For now. It's a spy movie. Nobody seems to be what they seem to be. Indeed, indeed. I have theories already, but I'm going to save them. All right, all right. (laughs) And now, I've been waiting to talk about this. Anity Armas looks so badass in this. Uh, Right? The fighting... Holy cow! The choreography, the just the physical prowess that she shows in those few clips. Right. In the trailer, look fucking amazing well, she clearly has a, a has a penchant for this because look what she did in no time to die yeah that was the warm-up <laughs> yeah, yeah even bond was like only a few weeks <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean this is the main course like she looked incredible which makes you have to wonder you know is this going to be something she's she's gonna 
go the action hero route. Right. I mean, is she going to become the next Gal Gadot and have her own type thing? She's not as tall, but still as exotic and can kick ass. Why not? Why not put the two of them in a movie together and they just go spy hard all over the place? That would be amazing. But not spy hard because that's That's a terrible movie. But um, (laughs) um, (laughs) there are not enough decent women-focused action movies yes, out there. Absolutely. And and I get so I get so disappointed too when something I have my hopes up for mm-hmm. just sort of fizzles out like the 355. Yeah, it 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 like, turned it just even I I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. I couldn't even bear it to. The last trailer was like trope, 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 tropey, tropey, trope, trope, <laughs> trope. Nope. Nope, trope for me. Yeah. And I, that's it. I want I want to see a whole, if not a wholly original spy yeah. film, something that isn't just, let's plug in four women or two women to where yeah. we normally plug in four guys or two guys. Yeah. I want to see something that is like this, like even with, and granted, I think Gray Man's going to probably be at the end of the day. It's a spy movie with action, pow, pow, shooty, shooty. But something with a little more substance yeah, that some- allows the actors to... Become a character. Yeah, exactly. Rather Not than just, just caricatures. A spy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, there's there's my pitch. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we'll move on. And I do still have high hopes for uh, Heart of Stone with um, Gal Gadot. Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that, I know this is an aside, but we've been doing an aside all podcast. Basically, so. this whole podcast is an aside, <laughs> if you think so. about it. The entirety of the co- podcast is all about, but you know what? <laughs> Our reviews. But what about... But what about... When, um, when, when one of your co-hosts has to go on a tangent for a minute and a half about Star Trek special effects, we are all about asides here. That's right. Um, but yeah, Gal Gadot looks really good in Heart of Stone. Anyway, I digress. Back to the trailer. Yes, Anna Armas just looks super awesome. Then we, we get some shots of the India or Bollywood sensation. He's like huge in India, uh, Danush. I believe that's how it's pronounced, Danush. He's like the bad guy in it, and he there's a, a couple shots of him fighting uh, Ryan Gosling towards the end of the uh, trailer. So I'm really curious to see. I hope that they utilize him yes. enough because he clearly has a massive following. Whenever I'm doing stuff for the CIC, when I'm looking at Intel stuff online especially on Twitter. If I like look up trending things for the gray man, he is all over it. People are people in India are super psyched for this movie just to see him. That's good. So I so clearly he's got chops. I just haven't seen him in anything. So I'm really hoping that they make good use of him. It's not just some sure. bad cameo. Well, and he he can act the shit out of it because I mean, right. at the end of the day, all the following in the world, if you're not good at what you do, you're going to ruin the movie. Right. So, and I, I don't I don't think he'd be in it. I don't think the Russo brothers would leave him in it mm-hmm. if they didn't think he did a good job. Yeah. Because they got enough weight right now. They're like, yeah, no, we need to go ahead and Eric Stoltz this guy and bring in our Michael J. Fox so we can save the film. <laughs> right. But yeah, overall, I just, I thought it was really good. And, and again, like there's so many little bits of dialogue in this, just in the trailer alone. Like every bit of dialogue in the trailer is is either witty or interesting. Absolutely. It's there for a reason. It's not just, look at us, explodey, explodey, haha. Right. Like it just, it gets better every time I watch it, so... So yeah, moving on. The uh, the final order of the day. This is kind of a, a new territory for us, but I'm kind of excited about that. This will be gentle. 
with us in all of those uh, comments and reviews you're going to put out after this podcast. That's right. That's right. Hopefully we don't uh, destroy this. And I know that people who are avid comic collectors do have their opinions about things. No, we don't. I mean, no, they don't. (laughs) So uh, thankfully, I do have an expert with me. Well, expert is maybe a little extreme. Okay, maybe it's not. All right. But but somebody who knows his stuff. A little bit. A little bit. And, and, And so because this is new... And this is something we'd like to continue to do to yeah. kind of bring you another media stream to get your spiniest, spinous, spiniest, <laughs> your, your spiosity on. Your spy fix on. There you go. If you have any suggestions or anything about what you think maybe we could do a little better with it, if or if you thought we did, damn, that was the best comic book review we've ever had. You guys should do it all the time. Wish we could. Um, <laughs> let us know because, um, you know, it's all about the feedback from you guys. But uh, anyway, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. Please continue. Oh, well, Bad. anyway. <laughs> so what we're talking about today is King of Spies. It's a graphic novel, but it was originally a four-issue series. Series written by Mark Millar of Kingsman fame. He also wrote uh, Wanted. He wrote Old Man Logan. Um, he wrote Captain America: Civil War, the Check actual com- the actual comic book. Um, the artwork, but was by uh, Matteo Scalera, who also did Batman, who, who's worked on Batman and Daredevil and Deadpool. I thought the artwork was fantastic. Yeah, the artwork really, is, really works for me. The artwork is maybe better than the story. Sorry, Mark. Yeah, it's a good story. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, yeah, it's spies. What else? What else can you do in spies that hasn't already? Been? I would have to agree with that. I think the artwork might actually be better than the story itself. Yeah. Um, also, credit to the colorist uh, Giovanna Nero. Mm-hmm. Really fabulous re- job. Really good stuff. Fabulous I mean, just from the cover stuff. to the all the stuff on the inside, it just looks it's so vivid. You know, it's it's not just sort of thrown together. This stuff is well, and she she so she uses the old style comic book trope of you know basically setting that base color mm-hmm. to set the tone for things like that. Yeah, but a lot of colorists still get lost in everything has to be a derivative of whatever color you're using as a base color. Mm-hmm. And she does such an amazing job, particularly in, in the first issue of really conveying it, but still kind of selling it. The, the final yeah, when the train scene Panama. with the twins, you know? Yeah, exactly. You just, you get the, the, you get the feel of where you're at. London is always blue and kind of dark and dank, mm-hmm. and, you know, Granted, I don't notice color nearly as much as I notice the pencil artwork because I'm a snob like that. I'm a, I'm a pencil guy too. Um, but this thing is just beautiful to look at from cover to cover. And it's one of those kind of books that you don't need to have words. It's so well written that you can get the storyline. You can literally get the story just with, by kind of flipping through things. Right, exactly. It, it, the sequential narrative of it is fantastic. Not that Mark Muller's words are bad. His words are very good. Yes. And, and I was actually going to comment on the fact that I do think a lot of the dialogue and, and some of the, for lack of a better term, VO, even though you can't have VO in a comic book, but essentially right. it's the narrator. Yeah. Just really well written as far as just smart, interesting Mark Millar may know his stuff. He, he kind of knows his stuff. So let me give you a quick synopsis that I found just to sort of, uh, for those who haven't read anything about this, this graphic novel just yet. Uh, Roland King is a man of many talents, active since the height of the Cold War. He has toppled regimes, gone toe-to-toe with other spies, seduced his way into private information, and assassinated high-value targets, turning the world into an even more dangerous place than he started with. Now at the end of his life, Roland wants to right the wrongs and leave behind a better world. 
His list is long with every corrupt head of state, every crooked billionaire, and every predator in high places living in fear as Roland ticks them off his list one by one. As the authorities grow frustrated, they decide to fight fire with fire, engaging the services of Atticus King, Roland's son and rival. So that's the basic rundown of the of the story. It's 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 Roland King, who is now 65. He's no longer an operative of, of British Secret Service, but he's positioned as like this director of three different defense companies or right. that are in cahoots with the British government. So he's just sort of he just sort of connects people to people at this point. But meanwhile, he now has a tumor. I think it's like a brain tumor. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. It's a tumor. Yeah. The, it's the, not a tumor. The, the, no, it's a tumor. <laughs> the point of it is he's got six months to live. So, and the way that he looks yes. in this, boy, he is a spitting image of- Jason of, Greenberg. Of, <laughs> of current Pierce Brosnan. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely. mean, it, he is a dead ringer for Pierce Brosnan. From the TV show that he's on now with the cowboy dealing yeah. with the mustache and the beard. I mean, it is just dead ringer. I'm, I kind of wonder if Mark Millar sort of asked Matteo to make him look a little bit like that because this Maybe? is because one of the other reasons that we are covering this is the fact that this is optioned at Netflix. So right. So well, this could very well become a movie, probably directed by Matthew Vaughn. It's not even an option. It's owned by Netflix. Right. And so they can do it. They can use it whenever they want or not, depending on how things go. Absolutely. I mean, I would have reason to believe that Matthew Vaughn would do it since, you know, he's worked with Millar several mm-hmm. times, although we'll have to see how uh, Argyle turns out. Because <laughs> uh, if that's a disaster, then they might... They might Turn a page and go somewhere else. Or but. he may not have any other outlets other than Netflix. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Indeed. Indeed. So, but I do think uh, visually Pierce Brosnan looks just like this guy. But this character is a bastard. And a badass. And a badass. He's a super badass. He is grizzled. He is... The whole idea behind this is that he's he's kind of this guy that's looking back on his life and having tons and tons of regret. You know, all the, all the missions he's done where he realized he was fighting for the wrong thing or, you know, all the mistakes he made in his marriage, you know, neglecting his kid and mm-hmm. cheating on his wife and all the horrible things that he now feels terrible about and he doesn't know how to right those wrongs at this point because he's only got six months to live. It's kind of almost impossible to undo that sort of thing. But I go back to what I'm trying to say is I don't know if Pierce Brosnan is the right guy to act that, to yeah, be that guy. I, I don't know if I don't know if he can pull off being quite that big of a bastard. And I, I would I would have to agree with you. I don't I mean I think 15, 20 years ago, a grizzled Sean Connery could have done it in oh, space. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just I just don't I'm trying to think of anything I've seen Pierce Brosnan be cold-eyed in. Mm-hmm. And maybe this TV show that he's in, I hear he's kind of a bastard in this show. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. He just He's so jovial about things, right? right. I, it's hard to get that Remington Steel flavor out of your mouth <laughs> because that's what he's always kind of been to me. Right. That's what he was in Mrs. Doubtfire. It's what he kind of was as James Bond. Yeah. I mean, he was the suave, debonair guy. Now, the good thing about Pierce Brosnan, though, is that he still looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. And 
So this movie starts in a flashback that is in 1990. Right. So you could probably take a good 15 years off of Pierce Brosnan and just dye his hair back to its original color and shave everything. And he would pull off Pierce Brosnan era 1990 or close enough that... With a little bit of CGI. With a little bit of CGI, you know, a little bit of that Irishman magic or sure. whatever that... <laughs> I, the thing is, you know, I think he's so good for this that he's probably not good for it. Right. You got to need, you need somebody who can obvious. sell the action yeah. a little bit more. And I don't think he was very actiony when he was young enough to do action. Mm-hmm. He's what, in the 70s now? He's yeah. definitely not. I think he just turned 69, I think. So, I mean, but, yeah, not again. that he can't, but since he's not a guy who's been doing that his entire career, mm-hmm. I feel like you need that person. I feel right. like you need someone who's 50 that can play 70. But yes. can also play 30 or early 40s. That's probably a good shot. Um, I'm not going to say Henry Cavill because he's not quite 50. Mm-hmm. But if you could get him to look older convincingly, which you'd have to do for the majority of the film. Right. He would be the kind of guy. He's big. He's bulky. Mm-hmm. He can rock a stash. We all know that. Um, <laughs> but Or somebody of that ilk. You need somebody basically, I'm going to say, early 40s to very early 50s mm-hmm. that can play both sides of it but can still play and act like they're in their 30s right. when it's necessary. Because these days, again, sorry, Roger, nobody or doesn't do their own stunts anymore. Right. Or at least, at least the, the at good, least the heavy stuff, Yeah, maybe. But in the day-to-day, we got to get your face in the scene. You got to be willing to go get in there and get your face in the scene. Right. Grizzled Mel Gibson, anyone? Just kidding. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm going to steer clear of that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens as far as if if this becomes a movie or anything like that. Yeah. So some of the other people in this thing, we've got a character who is essentially now in the role of M, who is Roland's friend named Figgy, who, you know, eh, I don't know. Like you just say that Figgy is what you figure he's going to be. Yeah. And leave it at that. I mean, right. I mean, we don't want to give away the whole thing. You can probably come to your own conclusions pretty quickly about. The character is more or less extended extrapolation, just like any M character really is. Right. Gets you some background on the character, the main character, mm-hmm. helps move the story along. Right. It's just basically a mustachioed uh, plot device. Yeah. But um, very funny. I, I, the the artist's style is somewhat reminiscent of Greg Capullo, who yes. um, uh, is most famously known for doing Batman with Scott Snyder writing for about, I don't know, 80 or 90 years. Um, (laughs) whose style is very reminiscent of Frank Miller if Frank Miller actually drew instead of just scribbled everything onto a page. I actually really like Greg Capullo. Yeah, Greg Capullo is pretty fantastic. But Mateo's style is very similar to that. So there are some scenes in it where I see characters that remind me of either Capullo or from Frank Mm -hmm. Miller. And particularly Figgy looks very much like Frank Miller's idea of what any bureaucrat looks like. Right. And so there's a couple of scenes when I'm like, oh, look, it's the mayor of Gotham City from Dark Knight Returns. Hmm. Anyway. um, And then we also have, of course, uh, Atticus King, who is Roland's son. He's just this uh, cocky field operative for MI6. I thought that Aiden Turner might be a good shout, since everybody wants him as Bond anyway. Uh, He'd be a good shout for Atticus, especially if... You could you could almost believe that that Aiden Turner is the uh, son of Pierce Brosnan. You know, close enough in, in looks. 
I look at him and I'm like, oh, that's definitely Tom Hiddleston. That too. That could work very, very easily. Yeah, for sure. It's so hard to know too. Just essentially comic book artists are giving their their impression, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to know who Mark Millar sees in his head. This is true. And at the end of the day, it's going to depend on on who wants to do it, who mm-hmm. is actually doing it, what their regards are. I mean, mm-hmm. Mino Millar, this is part of his production deal with Netflix. So I'm sure he has input, mm-hmm. but the director decides the casting, the producers decide the casting. There's right. a lot of voices that go into it. And let's face it, it's Netflix. This thing's probably not going to get on Netflix for like 10 years, and then they're just going to make Ryan Reynolds do it because apparently he's the only person <laughs> they put on movies on Netflix anymore is Ryan Reynolds. And okay, I'd watch that, well, but it I mean, certainly wouldn't be a very good version of the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. We could let Taron Egerton get a little older and then put a mustache on him. That'd be pretty cool. Or maybe Colin Firth. We know he can do action. <laughs> You know, the other uh, alternative thought I had about the main character, though, as far as casting, if we did, if you didn't go with Pierce, is the guy from, uh, what's the movie with the guy? He's the guy that used to be like a CIA agent type guy, and he's retired, and he's like living in the, in the suburbs with his kids. Nobody? Nobody, yes. With uh, uh, the guy Bob from, Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk, From yes. Better Call Saul. Yes, Bob Odenkirk, I think, might be able to pull off the role of Roland King. He's not English enough. He's not English enough, and he's not, he's too fit. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I mean, yeah. well. He's you a know, little too fit. His ticker isn't, but um, yeah. I, I just listened to an interview with him on a different podcast, and um, he's in his 60s, so I don't know. Yeah, hard to say. I don't know. It's a, it is a tricky one, casting this, if, if this does go to movie. Again, you, you, you're going to have to cast someone that can play old, but isn't. Yeah. Um, because you're going to want to be able to convincingly show them. Do, um, granted, there's enough facial hair on this character. You could probably sneak in the stunt guy without it being too noticeable. Right. But at the end of the day, I think you want somebody that you can get those close-ups on and, and really appreciate it. Because, yeah. I mean, if you follow more or less shot by shot on the book, mostly you see his face in everything. And I know that you do do that in comic books, but... You know, if you decide to Zack Snyder this bitch up as a movie and basically shoot every scene as a, as a, each individual right. square, literally in use the comic, the comic book, book as your storyboard. Yeah, this is your storyboard. Where we're doing each one of these shots. Yeah, um, yeah, you got to have somebody who's going to have good screen presence and that can actually pull off most of what they're doing. Yeah, that's my thing. Now, I don't want anybody to think that because we talked more about making a movie of this book than the actual book that it's not good. It is very good. It it reads very quickly. Yes. Which has always been kind of a, for me, that means it's a good comic book. If you zip through it to the point where you have to go back and reread it because you feel like you missed something, mm-hmm. that's a good book. Ones where you have to slog through because you can't, it's too much dialogue or it's just a bunch of babble that you don't care about mm-hmm. or the artwork is sub sketchy. <laughs> Those are ones where you're kind of like, I'm not just going to finish this so I know what happens. Right. It's so hard to jump to the end of a comic book and figure out what's going on sometimes. Yeah. But this one was just, it was just a delight to look at. I found myself pausing from time to time just to kind of appreciate what was being done in the thing. I had no trouble reading this twice. No, no not at all. No trouble whatsoever. And as someone who likes to draw, but and, and fancied himself a comic book artist when he was younger, but never actually did anything about it, 
I always like to complain about how much people bar better than me. And <laughs> every seemed like every damn panel there, I'm like, screw you, Mateo, showing off that you can do a job that I don't know how to do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty fantastic. I mean, all the way through. I feel like the actually just one other character that I do want to touch on. So there is in the flashback in the beginning, there are these brother and sister twins. <laughs> That make a reappearance later on in the book. In the most ridiculous Mark Millar kind of way, by and, the way. And only somebody like Matthew Vaughn could pull off transferring that into film and making it somehow not the most preposterous thing you've ever yes. seen. Because it's pretty comic booky, like to a point of, well, that's never going to make it to the film. Right. But Same yet thing. it has to because it's the one thing in it that stands out super visually. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, too, is that every good spy movie needs a good henchman. Yes. Or hench people in this case. Hench persons. Hench persons. So, yeah, this, uh, <laughs> this brother and sister team that Roland fights back in Panama City in 1990 and they then they come back later on it is something else <laughs> actually the whole flashback is so fantastical yes there is a moment i'm not going to say any more than it's a moment that happens in an ambulance that's all i'm going to say <laughs> it's the most ridiculous fucking thing i've ever seen in a comic book and that's saying something it's crazy it is out, and that that part, I there's no well, maybe it would wind up in a movie, but it has to. It I absolutely think, you know, has to. If any fans of this book that didn't see it, yeah, are gonna riot if if it's not in the movie. Yes, it kind of reminds me of some of the super super crazy shit that was in uh, what's that Clive Owen one where he's chomping on the carrots? Oh, we just had this shoot discussion. Em up. Yes, it's kind of the it way is shoot definitely, em, definitely. If, like shoot 'em up is the closest equivalent of a movie that would be like this comic book is. Clive Owen needs to play Roland. That's a good shout, actually. He might he might be able to. He's certainly uh, free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not doing a whole lot. Yeah. Him, him and Gerard Butler, they they could use the work. <laughs> yeah, Gerard Butler might be in better shape for it though. He might, but I feel like Clive Owen would pull off the character better. He's got a better accent, I think. Uh, he's just got better acting chops. <laughs> Because, you know, I've, told, I've said before that I think Clive Owen should have been James Bond. Yes. Instead yes. of Daniel Craig. Not that I think they made a bad choice right. for Daniel Craig. I, I love everything he's done. But when they were looking, mm -hmm. I was so wanting him to get the role. I did too, actually. I remember that back then. And then they brought in Toehead Danny and... Everybody, and people, and people, people lost rioted. their minds. People rioted And then in he the went street. back and said, how about you let me show you what I could do first, you dipshits? Yeah. And then he went off and made arguably the best James Bond movie there is. I would argue the just best James Bond movies that have ever been made. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm biased. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we digress once again. Indeed. Um, yeah, just overall, the comic book I thought was fantastic. I, I do think it's weird that it swings... It kind of swings back and forth wildly because some every once in a while you get kind of depressed reading this because he really gets into he there's a lot of flashing back to like all the mistakes that he feels mm -hmm. like he's made all these like horrible decisions in his life that he regrets and it's a little bit of a <laughs> it's a little tough to digest mm -hmm. and the way that they try and help you, you know, the spoonful of sugar to help you <laughs> swallow it is him killing all these horrible people. 
you know, sort of describing all the bad things that they did. Right. And why he's taking them out. So you get this sort of uh, gratuitous, you know, watching all these bad guys die in horrible ways. Right. Well, it, it's, it's almost cathartic for you as the reader mm-hmm. watching these heinous acts of violence. You can justify saying, well, this guy's been had this in him for a long time. Right. So no wonder he's being so ridiculous about this nonsense. Yes. He's just... He's just cleaning his palate out. Yeah. So, again, if if they make a movie, I wonder if they'll be able to keep it as straightforward as it is or if they'll have to add some sort of twist or maybe a B story. Just something else because it is a very straightforward. Yeah, but Netflix makes straightforward stuff. Their whole thing is about letting the content producers produce whatever content they want to produce. Right. If it's marketable and, I mean. Now, I will say, though, Matthew Vaughn, took an awful lot of liberties with the original Kingsman comic book and yeah, changed he, it changed it up to enough to make it more movie but ready. but he also had a lot more influence on how the comic book came out he was in collaboration with That's Malar true. on that That is true. So I don't know that he necessarily changed it in, uh, other than that I'm taking the concept of going this route mm-hmm. you're taking the concept of going this route. Mm-hmm. So it was as much his ideas as it was Millar's ideas. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're absolutely right. He made a movie version of the same idea mm-hmm. that maybe not necessarily followed the comic book because you have to make some exceptions. But he was also doing it. Who I can't remember who produced Kingsman, but he's doing it for a big studio. Mm-hmm. There's other, Netflix has the reputation of letting people make what they want to make. Mm-hmm. Give, here's the money. We trust your creative direction. Now, I wonder if that's going to change now that they're... You know, there's all these stories right now that Netflix is losing money big time. So I wonder if they're going to tighten up their pocketbooks and and be a little bit more controlling. Maybe, maybe not. Or if that's going to be the thing that sends them even into worse territory. I don't know. Did you see the movie with The Rock and Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot? Clearly nobody's constraining anybody on anything. Hey, what if we made Indiana Jones? Uh (laughs) But we're going to use Ryan Reynolds, okay, and we're going to bring in The Rock. Hey, I'm listening. And And Gal Gadot. Gadot. Man, you sold me. You don't want to hear the rest of the story? No. Just go make it. (laughs) Does he have a whip? No, no whip. Even better. Here's $200 million. Go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yes, honestly, I think that Netflix would stop producing movie content before Netflix is going to start telling people how to make movie content. Hmm. If yeah. it's a budget decision and we got to keep things rolling, we're just a streaming network. They're going to cut all the making movies out, and that'll just be that. That's yeah. the end. And of they'll it. just pull. They'll just do their bread and butter, which is just pulling in series and movies from other places. And they could take King of Spies, it. get a studio to produce it, have an agreement that it only runs on Netflix for an extended period of time, and then gets released into the wild to other people to watch it eventually. Yeah. That would be, they go back to the more traditional way of marketing things where right. they don't necessarily bankroll it, but they do own the property, so these are our considerations. Yeah. Honestly, if this thing gets made, it's going to get made just like it is. A four-issue comic book is designed to be a two-hour movie, maybe three, if mm-hmm. you want to make a movie into it. Most of the, Anybody who's read comic books for long enough knows that they're all basically movies, but single frames. Yeah. You know, and most people structure them that way, especially when you've got the limitation of four issues. Now, you you can't do an entire Batman movie for his entire run, mm-hmm. right? You know, starting with, I am the Avenger of the Night, all the way <laughs> to right now. Woo, all those Court of Owls and slash 17 Jokers and how many Batmobiles later? Um <laughs> So so yeah, I think if it ever gets to that point, it's gonna it'll be pretty straightforward, pretty enjoyable, 
everything we want to be in it is going to be in it. Probably not Pierce Brosnan. Um, probably not. Sold. He probably uh, wants too much money. <laughs> I don't know where he's at. Maybe he's taking projects because they're interesting. Who knows? That's true. That um, is true. But yeah, it's a good read. It's a quick read. The artwork is gorgeous. You'll want to reread it more than once. I highly recommend it. I do too. If you, Absolutely. Even if you don't, Maybe. Even if you're not like a huge comic book person, but if you are into spy movies, this is a great read. Absolutely. And, I was and it's going an to... easy read. It's not, you're not going to get bogged down in, no. in over. It's not thinky. It doesn't proleticize. It just tells you a story of a guy trying to right wrongs with lots of splody things. The other thing that I really like about it, and I feel like this doesn't spoil anything because we already told the listeners that this guy has six months to live. It's finite. And that's what I also really like about it. It's yes. not going to it's not going to make concessions so that you can then make a sequel to it. It's one off and right. done. Right. And, and I think that would add quality to to a movie. Agreed. However, one little point I'll bring in: you bring in the guy that can play younger and older. You have plenty of options to go with Roland the early years, right? Yeah, you could do a prequel. You could so, go back to Roland King. This is my other reasoning behind you put in the middle of the road guy. Ah, so then he can go back and play young Roland King. Absolutely. And then flash back to the old one if you felt like you needed to go that route. You know, He's on his death. Well, I guess he's not on his deathbed in here. But you also have the option of bringing Atticus in for sequels if you really wanted to. Right. So there's, there's options there if you want to go that route. Let's hope they don't decide to go full King's Man and just produce utter garbage that, um, let's be honest, kind of sullied the brand. Um, Yeah. Hey, King's Man Review, coming soon to a theater near you. Well, and I mean, mean, that's why I'm a little leery about Argyle, to be quite honest. I mean... I think anything that's rooted squarely in the, the decade it's supposed to be rooted into should be okay. Yeah. It's not like it's trying to pull out of something that we've established as being current. Right. And I think that yeah. was the you're connecting too many dots, mm-hmm. and then Argyle is not connecting any dots other than the dots where they plugged in that fake hair and the wig that Henry oh Cavill's wearing. That that was okay. Anyway, <laughs> so that's that's about all I have to say about the book. Unless you have any no, no, further that's thoughts. I got it. Get it, read it. Uh, so it's the King of Spies by Mark Millar, Matteo Scalera. It is published by Image Comics. And here's the thing: usually when they uh, they do like the first books, the image is usually cheaper than what they normally release for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Cover price, uh, $16.99. I'm sure you can find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I would say if you're going to buy the book, and you should, um, go to your local comic book shop and support those guys. Amazon has tons of money. will sell it to you for a lot cheaper. But they aren't trying to keep the lights on and keep you know 11-year-olds who love comic books giving them a place to go to. I so. wholeheartedly agree with that. Everybody's got a comic book shop in town. Or go to a local bookstore that may carry this as well right. and support them. Um I certainly buy my share of stuff from the big giants and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I do try to get my combo purchases when I buy them physically from somebody that I support. We have a couple of good local ones out here yeah. that I will usually buy from before I go anywhere else. Indeed, indeed. So, yeah. If you have read King of Spies and you want to comment on what you thought of the book, uh, please get in touch with us. Because as always, we are always looking for listener interaction. We certainly are. To tell us how you like the podcast or if you have any ideas. So uh, please, uh, you know, drop us a line. We've got email, cicdeaddrop at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at Central Intelligence Cinema, separated by underscores. Or on the Twitter. I'm always on Twitter, man. At CIC Spy Pod. So, uh 
please get in touch with us and let us know what you think, what you thought of the idea of a comic book review in general. Yeah, I'd be absolutely. curious to know. Like I said, it was our first attempt, and uh, you know, if you felt like we talked too much about movies, not enough about books, let us know. We'll we'll fine tune as we go along. Because, like I said, this is something I think we want to keep yeah. running the more literary aspect of things. And since Ben's really the only one who can read without pictures, uh, we aren't going to be doing a lot of novels, <laughs> but graphic novels. That is not true. Jason can get through. <laughs> and hey, listen, guys. You know, we talked about this at the beginning. We joke about it every single time. But if you do enjoy the podcast, and if you're listening at this point. You're enjoying something. I think that's safe yeah, to if assume. Yeah, if you're still listening at this minute, whatever minute this happens to be happening on. <laughs> you're, you're enjoying the podcast, or at least making fun of us to your friends while you're listening. Right. Um, please help us out by giving us that glowing five-star review that we always ask for on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your content, so that our show gets seen by more people who enjoy the irreverence. And how did you say it? 100% organic, homegrown no fillers. That's right. Uh, podcasting that, that we provide. Handcrafted artisan. Handcrafted artisan that we provide. You never know. You we say have something no, nice. We have no assistant editor. We have no editor. Well, I'm the editor. You are the editor, but uh, not for this podcast. Well, actually, you are the editor. No, I am podcast. the editor for this podcast. That is Trust true. me. Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> That's why we sound so professional. Certainly not the content. Um, but anyway, leave us the review. Give us the five stars. You never know. You might get a little something extra a little something, from man. the undisclosed location. That's right. Things happen. Q Branch just uh, shipped us in some interesting little bits of swag. So exactly, we might just so, have to send you something. Pay attention, 007. This is a magnet. You can put it on your refrigerator. Exactly. If it's made out of metal, it will stick to it and not fall off. You can attach your grocery list to it. Now, 007, this is what they call a keychain. Just what you put your key on, so it doesn't fall through the cracks of things. Absolutely, and it will sit in your pocket uncomfortably while you try and move <laughs> other things around to the point you're like, why do I need a keychain? <laughs> exactly. And also, potential exists for the stickers, which are not only great for sticking on things, but they're also good for covering up uh, cameras when you jump up to the top of a wall, and that, you don't want to be seen going down on the other side of that wall. That's right. So, While you're finding out how tall that wall is. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that it could happen, but Q Branch is very surprising. You never know. Anything's possible. They also cover up, they're perfectly sized to cover up the Apple logo on your laptop. Not, as if, not as if that was intentional. Nope, not at all. So uh, yeah, with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis. And more mayhem. 